0: Uh, so, uh, it's good to be here. Julie says hi. She's awesome. Uh, she's, she's awesome. She's just flat out awesome. I have a picture. I wish I could set, show you the picture. She sent, sent me a picture of her this morning in the bed with three of our granddaughters, uh, six years old, five years old, and three years old, lined up in the bed. They were watching Superbook together, you know, before they went to church, and, and they just wanted, to, they, they wanted to, me to feel jealous, is what they wanted to do. Uh, um, can, can I tell you, can I tell you one story? Can I tell you one story, which is a lie, because I'm going to tell you a whole bunch of stories. So can I tell you one particular story before we get into the Word? So Aubrey, who is six years old, Aubrey is six years old, and I, I actually feel kind of empowered saying this right now, because Julie's not here, all right, so she can't, you know, she, she can't, you know, because every time I say this, and I say this all the time, Julie, oh, Randall Gordon, Aubrey's our favorite. And that's when Julie goes, Randall Gordon, we love them all. And and we do love them all, but Aubrey is our favorite. All right, and one of these days you're gonna get in trouble with that. And and I go, but in the meantime, Aubrey is our favorite. So when Aubrey was four, she has been buddies. She has been buddies with Julie ever since the very first day she was born. I mean, she and Julie are just, they're just buddies is all they are. And they're always hanging out together. And Aubrey Aubrey always wants to be at Gamma and Papa's house. And and, and, and I love that stuff. So one day I come home. She was four years old. I come home from the office. I come in the door and there's Aubrey at the door like this.
1: Now, she loves
0: me, and she's very respectful. There's not a mean bone in her body. I mean, if you meet Aubrey, you're going to get loved on. You're going to be treated like you're the best person in the world. And so she she loves Papa. She respects, but she's right there at the door, right there at the door. And I said, hey, baby girl. And she says, hey, Papa, you've got two options. (laughs) What? (laughs) She says, you can either sleep in the guest room Or the toy room? And I I said, no, I'm sleeping in my bed. She says, no, I'm sleeping in your bed. (laughs) And so I slept in the guest room. All right. All right, I'm going to have you turn to a portion of Scripture that we will stay zeroed in on the entire time that we're together. And I have been told that I really do need to be done by 2 o'clock. So I'm going to do everything I can to get done by 2 o'clock. Uh, you know, there's some people over here going "woo, woo, woo," and they're out of their minds. Uh, and then there's other people over here going "nah, nah, nah." And uh, but so, so, and, and so, we're going to stay locked into this one particular passage, and, and and we'll get there. We'll get there. But right now, I want to read to you the front portion of this passage. And I just want you to sit there and listen to it and kind of guess where I'm reading from. Try and figure out where, where I'm reading from, all right? So so this this is this is what it's... Ding, 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 ding! Bring that package and escort her out. Um... Come here, I haven't seen you. I haven't gotten a hug. I haven't me... Good to see you. Hello. I like Julie, too. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, big surprise. Big surprise. Okay, so I want to read this, and, and you just kind of listen actively, and because and, and, it's cool. It's a very cool passage. Very cool passage. It says this. It says, Paul called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and our brother Fred. To, who can pronounce these guys' names, right? I mean, so anyway, uh, uh, Paul, an apostle of Jesus, of Christ Jesus, called by the will of God and our brother Sothenes, to the church of God, that is in blank, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, to those who are called to be saints, together with all those who in every place Call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and our Lord. Grace to you. Peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. And then he goes on and he tells you what he gives you a little look into his prayer life about these people. He says, I give give thanks to my God always for for you because of the grace of God that has been given you in Christ Jesus. For in every way you have been enriched in him, in speech and, and, and knowledge of every kind just as the testimony of Christ has been strengthened among you, and so that you are not lacking any spiritual gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will also strengthen you to the end so that you may be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful. By Him you were called into fellowship with His Son. Jesus Christ, our Lord. Is that an awesome that word? Is awesome. That is an awesome word, isn't it? When you hear that word, I hope, because truly, truly, when I say that word, every word of that, except for the call to be an apostle, I don't want that job, uh, except for that, I i feel that, I think that. I mean, I know I haven't seen you guys in like forever. I love praise fellowship. I have loved praise fellowship an awful lot. And if praise fellowship ever starts a campus a little bit farther south, <laughs> see, because this is the whole winter thing you guys got going up here. I'm not doing that anymore. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, see, this is a very, very powerful. Now, who who would give me a guess as to who who, who Paul wrote this to? Who? Somebody said Corinthians over here. That is right. That is who he wrote to. Corinthians. <laughs> See, you need to understand that God believes in his grace. God believes in the power of the resurrection that was demonstrated in Jesus Christ. God believes in the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He believes to such an extent that he sees you. I'm sorry, we're talking about the Corinthians. He sees the Corinthians through the lens of what he does. And so he sees just a very, I mean, I mean, okay, turn with me to 1 Corinthians. All right, turn with me to 1 Corinthians so that you have those words. I mean, look at those words. He sees this group of people as a people who who, who are enriched in Christ. They, they, they are strengthened. Every gift is in, in the, they, he sees this very, very cool, awesome church. It's almost like he has missed the fact that they are screwed up. I mean, this church in Corinth is a mess yeah. is what this, and yet Paul says, Let me tell you what Jesus sees, yeah. and he puts it and he says i 'm thankful for you guys now forever I taught from from the book of Corinthians uh, forever for various reasons, and, and that 's really not all that important. but I would teach from the book of Corinthians, and forever until just recently, probably probably the last five or six years, I, I emphasized the fact that, that the, the Corinthian church was messed up. That was what I would emphasize. That's what I would emphasize. And I could emphasize it appropriately from how the scripture is written because if you and I were able to see the Greek, the original language and how it was structured and all that jazz, if you were able to see that, you could see that the very structure of the letter, the very structure of the letter is like a father who is frustrated with his kids. And it's like one thing after another, he's got to correct with these people. And so I used to really emphasize that. And I don't, I don't, want, I don't want to take that away, but I realized that I don't, I don't emphasize it anymore. Because that's not the point of the letter. The point of the letter is not... But listen to this just, just a little bit. I, I, I want you to see what's going on. The Corinthian church was messed up they had a sectarian spirit they 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 chose well i like this one better and i like this one better and i am with apollos and i'm with paul and i'm with and i'm with blah, 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 blah. so in one congregation they were going oh, i like him better i like him better well who do you like i like that one who do you like blah, blah, blah. so they had this sectarian spirit thing going on in the church there was incest i mean what the heck In the church, there were lawsuits that this group of Christians were bringing against this group of Christians. In the church, there was all kinds, so much going on, I don't even want to talk about it, all kinds of sexual perversion. There was marriage and divorce going on in this church. There was the serving, you would come over to my house and I would serve you food that had been offered to idols. Right? You want to eat at my place, right? I mean, I mean, they, they 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 wore veils. They 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 totally messed up the Lord's supper. They just totally messed up the Lord's supper communion. They messed it up big time. They, even though they had all the spiritual gifts, all the spiritual gifts were out of order. They were messed up. They, they really didn't realize, they didn't, they might have realized here, but they did not live as if they were one body. That's they all did their own, thing even though, and, and you know something, <laughs> they, they really, they really were not, uh, you know, this whole uh, literal resurrection, no, not really, right, Really? Resurrection from the dead? No, come on. In the church, they were not sure what to do with the whole concept of the resurrection of the dead. They they were messed up. They were like messed up. About four or five years ago, I began to realize something that I think is extraordinarily significant for us to consider. It no longer surprises me That the church in Corinth was messed up. It doesn't surprise me. Because they came from Corinth. I mean, you you and I are all familiar with the concept of, you know, you bring your baggage along, you know, your baggage from your former life, you bring your baggage along. We all do. We all do. We all carry with us the ways our parents raised us or the side of the tracks that we lived in. Or the we drag that stuff. So we give our lives to Jesus and we come to church and we drag that stuff into the church with us. Yeah. I mean, don't we? Yeah. I mean, I'm not, right? I'm not That's right. inventing some concept here. We all drag it with us. Well, the members of the Corinthian church... We're from Corinth. I mean, they lived in Corinth and grew in Corinth and raised their families in Corinth long before they gave their lives to Jesus. And so when they came to Christ, and they just, well, listen to what was going on in Corinth. These are the things that are going on in Corinth, all right? Sexual immorality to the nth degree. They've got in Corinth this big temple. So now we've got some false worship going on. So you're going to have some weird religious ideas going on. But check this out. You know what the temple was? The temple was erected towards, for Aphrodite. I mean, I don't know what you know about Aphrodite, but she was whacked. I mean, she was just, you know... And, and the the religious practices around the temple of Aphrodite had to do with temple prostitution. Yeah. You, know, you know, your greeters and your ushers, they bring you on in and help you. I mean, how, how nuts is that? In, in, uh, in Corinth, they rejected the whole concept of life after death they rejected the resurrection they said and because they rejected the whole concept of life after death what the dominant view was listen you only got one life do whatever you want cuz there's no consequences there's no life after death so do what you want do what you want with who you want however you want just just do it this was corinth corinth was a very affluent city. Corinth was a crossroads to trade and to to philosophies. I mean, people from different areas would come into Corinth and they'd talk with one another about their weird philosophies and, and they'd kind of mend and build and blend all that stuff together. Corinth, <laughs> in Corinth... I mean, you're suing your neighbor left and right about everything. Everything. I mean, you don't like what's going on in your neighbor, you sue him. You sue them. You don't like what's going on. Okay, I got a business over here. You got a business over there. I'm suing you. I mean, it was lawsuits left and right, left and right. So is it any wonder? Do you, do you realize, and, and maybe you do and maybe you don't, but do you realize that in the day, in the day, there was a, a contemporary proverb to corinthonize is what they would say. To corinthanize meant to practice prostitution. Oh my goodness. I mean this is this one really messed up. Yeah. So no wonder the people who came to Christ and came into, I mean, come on, God's going to set us free. And I don't know what your testimony is, but there are some things that God set me free of the very moment I said, please, Jesus. Very moment he set me free, all right? But then there's some things that he's kind of still working the freedom out, you know? I'm like, I'm like almost 50 years into this and I still, oh my goodness sakes, you know? We, we just drag stuff with us is what we do. And Jesus knows that, and he knows how to deal with that. And, and in, in the book of 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul addresses every one of these issues, and he addresses it in a very redemptive, gracious, powerful way so that the people can actually identify the chains that bind them, break the chains that bind them, and live free from the chains that bind them. But while they're sitting there, they're all chained up! So I mean, it was just a real, real challenge here, real, real challenge here. Um, um, it goes, it goes on, it goes. So let me let me let me just summarize a little bit here. All right, let me just summarize. Corinth was messed up, therefore the Corinthian church was messed up, and the tone of Paul's letter is very corrective, but it's corrective in a loving, fatherly way, because he starts out by saying. You know, every time I think about you guys, I thank God. Yeah. Yeah. I, just, I, mean, I mean, the grace is there. Gifts are there. Everything. I love it. I love, you guys are awesome. So he corrects them. He goes after it. New converts brought their baggage to the church. The baggage they picked up from the community they were raised in. So there's, there's a, for those of you who take notes, how many of you take notes? All right, all right. The rest of you chase these people down. All right. <laughs> uh, 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 for those of you who t- take notes, you and I are on mission. You and I. Oh, okay. This this is true. It's just true, is all it is. Uh, so I'm I'm driving to the church this morning. Uh, uh, Brian, let me use his truck. Man, that truck moves too. Let me tell you what. He, that, that, uh, so that, so I'm going along and everything's fine. And he's got uh, he's got the Christian radio station on, and and uh, and so I'm just kind of listening. And and while I'm driving along, uh, Chris Tomlin sings the song. Is he? All right. Well, now I can't, I don't know if you're familiar with that song, but I can't get through that song. I turn into a blubbering idiot every time I sing that song. Happens to be one of the favorite songs of one of the life groups I'm part of. And so like every other time we get together, we sing that and that I'm just, I can't, I'm a mess. I'm a total mess. So Chris Tomlin's singing that on the radio and I'm becoming a total mess. And so I'm, I'm checking the rearview mirror to make sure no one's coming up behind me. I'm, I'm right to snot on me. You know, I'm looking ahead make sure I'm not running into anything. You know, I'm going to end a total mess, total mess. All right. And, and, but I recover. I recover. I pull in a parking lot here. I park on over there. And, and I was here a little bit early. And so I said, I've heard all about the hub, heard all about the hub. Never seen the hub. You know, so I said, well, I'm here early. So I went on over to the hub and I'm walking around and I turn into a blubbering mess. Yeah. <laughs> it's a basketball in a batting cage. I don't know. You know, oh God, you're so good. I can't even so you're awesome. You know, and I get it together, <laughs> get it together, pull it all together. And I come on into the door and I see some familiar faces that have aged, I might add. <laughs> Uh, not that I have, but uh, Julie always tells me, you know, there's always a little bit left in the bottle if you want to use it. Uh, yeah, I've earned this. I'm wearing it, let me tell you. Uh, 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 and so I go on in and I'm wandering around, wandering around. I come around the corner right next to the coffee shop which is is an act of God, by the way. Um, If you want to know if a church is the right church to be part of, see if they have coffee. Uh, So so right right before the coffee, uh, I go there, and there's this wall with all the girls that y'all have rescued from sex trafficking. And I'm a blubbering idiot again. (laughs) Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. see, I know that whole story. I know the guy behind it. I've been there. I know what that's like. Uh-huh. So I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm done with the blubbering idiot. I, I think I'll be able to do this okay. I think I'm good. Of course, you guys with the worship tried to test that whole thing, but uh, <laughs> you know, you know so. so but what I, what I want to point out here is that we are a people on mission, and yes. Those kids that we rescued from sex trafficking in India? Yes. But our first place of mission is right here. That's right. That's right. See, the people that are part of Praise Fellowship are from Jamestown and Warren yeah. and Russell and and right here. They're right here. This is your M1 Your mission one field. And you are, I don't know if anybody's ever told you this, but it's true. You are thoroughly equipped to make an impact in this region. You know why? Because you're from this region. The junk that's killing them was killing you. And you came to Jesus. You got set free from that or you're getting set free. Some of you ain't totally free. To hear move along. Uh, you know, and, and, and you are like equipped to turn to this, to this. Uh, you can't, uh, you can't, uh, uh, guys, listen. Listen, if you try and do ministry in Russell, Pennsylvania, like we do ministry in... Uh, can, can I tell you what ministry looks in our church a little bit? The church I was on, on staff with for... I don't know, I was on staff for about eight years or so. Uh, I spent a lot of time... It was interesting you mentioned the, the greeters and the, and the ushers. I spent a lot of time tra- training our greeters. Training our greeters. I, all ha- I had to teach them all how to not be freaked out. All right? Because in in Myrtle Beach... There's a lot of gentlemen's clubs. All right? So there's all these strippers all over the place. Now, I'm not speaking metaphorically here. These are strippers. All right? And so all these strippers go to the club on Saturday, do their thing... And then at the end of Saturday, or in the early hours of Sunday, they are so guilt-ridden. They don't know what to do, and they remember a grandma telling them they ought to go to church, and so they come to church. And so they open up their closets, and there's no Sunday go-to-meeting clothes in there. So they find the best thing they can, and they head for our church. Yeah. And so I had to train our greeters to... Listen, I don't want you to go... Oh my God, it's a stripper! <laughs> you, know, you can't do that. Come on. Because there's some of us... That are already here... <laughs> that went to that club. Come on. Because that is the culture... You have no idea, and I'm not going to get into it because it's not why I'm here, but you have no idea how many testimonies I have heard from a stripper or someone who was in the strip club or a a former drug addict or a homosexual. How many testimonies I have heard that because of the way I was greeted, I learned to trust what was going on inside. And I ended up giving my life to Jesus. Now, if you train your greeters to welcome strippers... And I was driving around the other day, you ain't got a lot of strip clubs. Ah... Not that I was looking for one, please. (laughs) Julie, if you're watching this, I was not looking for a strip club. Uh, But what is there about this county? What is there about these towns? What is there about these neighborhoods that you came out of that needs to be impacted by the gospel of Jesus Christ? What is there? So I say all that to say, listen, India and rescuing, that is part of your mission. But your neighborhood is also part of your mission. And the same Holy Spirit that has equipped you to rescue those in India is right here getting ready to equip you to influence your neighborhood. I mean, it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. So anyway, that's none of that is what I wanted to talk about. That was all free. Uh, let, let, let me go on here a little bit. I do have notes. It keeps me. It keeps me. So so okay. While while you, you can turn with me now to to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and you guys can go ahead and put this, uh, you can put the passage there from 1 Corinthians 13 up there. Uh, While Paul, uh, throughout the the nature of Paul's letter here, and it's corrective, as the letter develops, as the letter develops, and for those of you who love to study the scripture, you'll see this happen. As it develops, he identifies the things that are messed up, and then he brings the wisdom and grace of God into the discussion of the things that are messed up. And as he's doing this, he kind of building, building, building up to a a big ending here. A a big ending. And and when we get to 1 Corinthians 12 and 13 and 14, we're we're doing it now. We are doing it now. In 1 Corinthians 12, Paul talks about all about the body, the body of Christ, every member, the body, diverse from one another. We're not all uh, ears and we're not all toes, but we all need to be in the body. And if a toe tries to do what an ear does, I'm not even sure what that would look like. You know, but it's all important. It's all in there and stuff like that. He talks about the gifts of the Spirit. He's doing all that stuff. And then his very last statement in First Corinthians 12, and you all know the Bible's not written with chapters and verses. You know that. And so, I mean, they do that and then they separate. I don't know why they do that. Uh, but anyway, so you get to the end of chapter 12 and you say this. You see this. He says in the last verse of chapter 12, he says, but st- Strive, and I'm reading from the New Revised Standard Version, which is okay, it's alright, you can follow along, it's very similar to yours. You know, I didn't lose my salvation or anything. Uh, uh, but, but strive for the greater gifts. And then he says, and I will show you a more excellent way. And then he kicks in, and, and, and here, here's 1 Corinthians chapter 13. If I speak with tongues of mortals and of angels, but do not have love, I am a noisy, clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I'm nothing. If I give away all of my possessions and hand over my body so that I may boast but not have love, I gain Nothing. Then he goes on and he says, love is patient and love is kind. Love is not envious. It's not boastful. It's not arrogant. It's not rude. And he goes on and he goes on and he goes on and he goes on about love. Now, you and I are kind of silly. I mean, not way over the top silly, just kind of silly. We say we love all kinds of things. You know, I love my jeans. You know, I love my, I love my Honda. I really do. I have an 08 Honda and it gets me around. I love my Honda. Uh, uh, I love my neighbor's Mercedes more. But I love my Honda. All right. Uh, uh, I, I, I love, I I love the New York Yankees. Come on. Nothing. Uh, uh, I I love, I love, I love. That's stupid, the way we use that word. Yeah. The word that the Apostle Paul is using here through this whole passage talking about love, if you got this but you don't have love, you got nothing. If you got this but you don't have love, you got nothing. You don't even have, Love is patient and kind and it believes all things and it supports and blah, 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 blah. blah. The, the particular word, there's several words throughout the scripture that are used that are translated love, but this particular one is the word agape. And agape is a totally Other-focused love. Agape is the kind of love that is not looking to get anything in return. It is all about the other. And and beyond that, it's not just a focus on the other. It's about what can I do to benefit your life? Uh, the scripture talks about, Jesus talks about this love and, and he says things like, you know, you know, the kind of love I'm talking about is when a, when a guy will lay down his life for a friend. Yeah. I mean, if there's anything in my life that would benefit you, I can't keep it from you. Yeah, but if I give it up, I won't have it anymore. So Die. I mean, that's the deal. Love is other-focused. It's very... It actually... Agape is a very, very aggressive word. You know, I've heard teachers and preachers say, Well, love is a matter of commitment. It's not a matter of feeling. Oh, God, please shut up. Uh, It is so much about feeling. And it is so aggressive. It's not just a, I choose to love you. What? I mean, it is... It's it's I'm ch- I find out about your need, I'm chasing that down until that need is met. Come on, That's what agape is. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I mean, look at what it says. Oh God, I'm in so much trouble. <laughs> Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious. Love is not rude. It does not insist on its own way. Love is not irritable. Love is not resentful. Oh God, I'm in trouble. I have absolutely no idea how to love. How does anybody do that? Uh-huh. Can you do that? Do you do that? No. Yeah. I, I'm go- I, I mean I mean, if, if the solution to the mess is we got to love one another. I guess we're going to be living in the mess a long time because I don't know anybody that can do that. Uh, Okay, let's make it more complicated, shall we? So Jesus has uh, uh, some teachers of the law cornering him and going to ask him some trick questions. And you read about this in Matthew uh, 20 or 20. Read the whole book. It's good. Uh, and, and the guy comes on up, comes on up to Jesus says, and says, And what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus just goes, <laughs> Alright, love God. Amen. Yeah. Love God with everything in you. Yeah. Yeah. With your mind, with your heart, with your strength. With your love God with everything in you. And love your neighbor your neighbor. I'm telling you what, these two commandments, all of the law and all of the prophets are hung on these two commandments. When Jesus is about to die, we just celebrated Easter just a while ago. When Jesus is about to die, he pulls his disciples together. And he's, tra- he's trying to, because they still don't get it. You know, they still don't, they don't, they don't get this whole thing. And, and, and so he says to them, he says to them, he, said, I'm, I'm, he says this because uh, I love the hat. He says, uh, he says to his disciples, he says, I leave you a new commandment. And as you fulfill this commandment, the whole world is going to know that you're my disciples and, and this thing is real. And the new commandment is love one another. Agape one another. Put the need of your brother above your need. Let your life pursuit be about his benefit and not yours. Yeah. Amen. And how the heck do you do that? Right? Yeah. I'm, excuse me a little bit. I, I we got a one-on-one thing going on here. <laughs> um I'm, so this is deep, so prepare yourself. You might want to you know get it all together here because this is you guys know what a commandment is? Okay, you know what a commandment is. Do you know why a commandment is so important? A commandment is so important. Have you ever asked the question, I wonder what God's will is? Anybody ever asked that? I wonder what God's will is. Well, when there's a commandment, the discussion is over. You now know exactly what God's commandment is. Exactly. And so a commandment actually goes Ahead, and tells you what you ought to do to live that commandment. And so you look into that, and I hope, and I'm sure this is what happens. I'm confident it happens with my brother here. I'm a little bit suspicious. But anyway, uh, uh, that commandment awakens, wait a minute. It awakens within us desire. I want to fulfill that commandment, yeah. if it's god 's will, I want to do that yeah. And so, with the awakened desire, we now exercise an effort yeah. and fail every time yeah. all the, isn't it the truth? And, and for a while, the desire is so strong, we pick ourselves up and we brush ourselves off and we say, I'm, I'm going to give it another shot! Yeah. And fail! And then we, and unfortunately, what happens in most of our lives is we, we just quit trying. Yeah. We just quit trying and we take that desire and put it over here and find some other desire that is actually doable. When the purpose from God's perspective of the, of the commandment is this. I want you to know what my will is. I want you to desire my will. And when you find yourself unable to fulfill my will, I want you to go, Please, Jesus, I can't do this. Would you help me? And he's there going. I've been waiting like all day long for you to say that. Of course I'll help you. Come on, yeah. Come on. yeah. So, so I'm going to leave today. Not, I mean, I'm not going to heaven. I'll be going back to Myrtle Beach, which is right down the street from heaven. Um, and Russell ain't. Ah, uh, and. Uh, teasing, totally teasing. Uh, uh, if you still have your Bibles there, I want you to look at one simple verse that, quite frankly, I'm, I'm a little bit discouraged by the fact that it has been wrongly interpreted by some of the more popular translations. All right. I want you to turn to First John chapter 4. First John chapter 4, and I want you to look at verse 9. Nineteen, I think. Let me get there first. Let me get there first. Let me get there first because I think that's where it is. Let me let me get there first. I I told you guys I get around a lot, right? All right, go back to the Corinthian passage, and then we'll do the first. I'm not. I'm really. I'm not stalling here. Uh, you know. I'll, I'll get done. I promise. I'll get done. All right. Uh, the 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 fasten your seatbelt sign is on the descent has begun all right so I, so i 'm going to get done here i 'm going to get done i 'm going to get done, but in the Corinthian passage he, he says things like he says things like uh, like uh, though I speak with tongues of men and angels, yeah. I know a lot of churches that are actually known as the Church of of, of supernatural worship and intercession. And we want to be a church like that. And, 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 and he says, he says, he says, he says, though we have faith to uh, remove mountains, I, I know churches, and so, so do you, that are known as faith churches. Right? Right? Okay. Is that a bad thing? That's a good thing. That's a wonderful thing. Uh, and, and then he says, he says, says, though you prophesy and have all kinds of mystery revealed and knowledge. I mean, who wouldn't want to be a prophetic body? Come on. I want to be part of a body that has supernatural worship and prayer. I want to be part of a body that, 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 that is, is driven by faith. I want to be a part of the body where the prophetic is present and abundant and powerful. I want to be part of a body where we're willing to give up anything we can to serve others. I want to be a party, a a part of a body who's willing to have their lives martyred. I mean, it says in there, even if you give up your whole life to be burned at the stake. But see, the thing he says over and over and over again is without love, it's useless. You you mean supernatural worship and prayer is useless? Yes. Mm. You mean the prophetic is worthless? You mean faith is worthless? You mean a humanitarian is worthless? You mean even martyrdom worthless? Without love, it's worthless. Please, church in America, I want you to be all of that. But you can't be that without love. And we have already established that we do not have the capacity to to obey the command to love. So we're screwed. I'm sorry, I'm in church. I probably shouldn't use that word, right? (laughs) Right. I mean, we are in trouble. How are we? What are we going to? How? Yeah. The answer is right here, guys. Yeah. The answer is right here. Yeah. First John chapter 4, verse 19. It yeah. says this. Some translations say this. We love God because He first loved us. That is a wrong translation. The right translation is we love because He first loved us. Not just God, but your brother, new commandment, and your neighbor, great commandment, you love because he first loved you. So all of that to say this. Did you look at me? Don't open your eyes. Don't get all praying on me. Look at me. He loves you. You Corinthians. He loves you. He is totally... Other-focused. He is consumed. By you. He is aggressively committed. To empty himself out. That your need. Would be met. He loves you. And as that abounds within us, I find myself obeying the commandment. I'm now able to love God with everything in me because I'm so aware of His love for me. I am able to love my neighbor because I am so aware of His love for me. And I'm able to love my fellow Corinthians. Would you stand with me? I, I want to I wanna talk uh, for just a split second. I'm not going to leave you there. And I, I'm probably, I should be looking around here. Uh, how do we end these services? Do you know how these services are ended? Uh, right. well, so, okay, you get up there and when I get down, you do something. Uh, but but I want I want to just just I'll get back to you in just a minute. There are a number of people who are joining us online, and 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 for those of you who are online, there's a lot of reasons why you're not here, and I'm I'm not here to judge any of those reasons. None of them, you know. Um, I I would. I want to tell you that these are very, very cool people. And if you can find your way offline into the midst of these people, it'll be good. Even if you can't, it's okay. It's all right. I just want to say to you, He loves you. living room. He loves you. You're afraid to go out of your house. He loves you. You're not sure what to think about church in general. All I want you to hear is that he loves you. So because of what he has done to show his love I want you to take the risk and love him back people he loves you and he knows how screwed up you are and he loves you Reach out to somebody. Let somebody else feel your touch. All right? Just reach on out. You know, we got kids gathered up and stuff like that. Just just reach out. Make sure everybody can feel somebody else's presence. All right? And just kind of lean in and just, he loves you. He loves you. You've been trying to hide your Corinthian behavior because you know it's stupid. He sees it and he has only one thing to say. Father, I'm asking in Jesus' name and for the sake of his honor and his honor only, pour your spirit out upon us. Pour your spirit out upon us. Pour that spirit upon us that has adopted us into his family. Pour that spirit out upon us whose fruit is love. Pour that spirit of your very holiness upon us. Take what our minds have rehearsed and rid us from those chains and bring into play a love that cannot be overcome. Friends, I love you. God bless you.